turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the Doug Collins Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you want to listen to a podcast? By who? Georgia GOP Congressman Doug Collins. How, how is it? The greatest thing I have ever heard in my whole life. I could not believe my ears. In this house, wherever the rules are disregarded, chaos and mob rule. It has been said today, where is bravery? I'll tell you where bravery is found and courage is found. It's found in this minority who has lived through the last year of nothing but rules being broken, people being put down, questions not being answered. And this majority say, be damned with anything else. We're going to impeach and do whatever we want to do. Why? Because we won an election. I guarantee you, one day you'll be back in the minority and it ain't going to be that fun. I don't know about you, but as you've watched out over the world, the war in uh, Russia and Ukraine is not just isolated to Eastern Europe. It's spread all over the world, and you can see it in market instabilities. You can see it here. People who do not think that that war is affecting you, all you got to do is look at gas prices. You look at uh, your food prices. You see the, the global uh, change that has happened. But you know something that's also affected investments as well, and I've said all along, Legacy Precious Metals is your navigator. They're the ones that see you through to get to the next level. The good news about this is, even with market volatility, market instability, you've got uh, options. And gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold, and gold presents a hedge against this inflation and that protects you uh, against the weakening dollar, which we are seeing. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust to deal with gold and silver and the other precious metals. You need this investment. You need this as part of your portfolio to keep you buffered from what we're seeing in the world. War and, and, and volatility in the market, this is where you need to be. Uh, call Legacy Legacy Precious Metals today. Uh, be proactive about this. Get on board with it. Call them at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or you can download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com, your navigator in a volatile world of investments. Uh, hey, everybody, it's Doug Collins, back on the Doug Collins Podcast. Glad to have you with us today. Uh, just wanted to start off. Uh, look, we are excited. We're a little over six months into the podcast, and I just wanted to say thanks for all of our regular listeners, those of you who subscribe, those of you who download it. Uh, we get uh, the messages that go to the podcast website, the Doug Collins Podcast, you know, dot com. You share your uh, your questions. We get a lot of those questions. And I, and I want to just start off this podcast, just say, hey, if you've got ideas for a future podcast, we've gotten some of our best ideas from from comments that we've had from uh, listeners who have came and said, hey, I want to know more about this. And I've had some recently that I'm looking to build in dealing with Congress and how Congress works. Uh, some of our presidents, we've had some good response to to those. So I want to just to say, hey, can, can you go to the Doug Collins podcast.com, you know, click on the email link. It'll it'll send me a link. I'll get make sure that I get your comments and we can see about incorporating those uh, into future shows. So we just want to say thanks uh, for being a part. But if you're also, if you're already downloading it, help, help us out and share it with a few people. T- just hit the share button on your podcast uh, links. You can share it with people and they can 
uh, come in and they can be, begin to be a, a new listener to the Doug Collins podcast. And you can help us do that by leaving comments and, and sharing that with others. I want to start off today's podcast. We're going to continue, and I got several topics I want to discuss. But it is just amazing to me is we did uh, last week. We talked about how Biden just seems to uh, blame everybody for everything that's going on. And one of the things that I think that just is missing so many times in this, the, just the fact that their policies are what is not like their policies. Or, or what is being rejected by the American people. And they just it just seems to pile up. Now, let's think about this for just a minute. Biden came in with every advantage you could possibly want. Okay, when he came into office, he had, he had a willing media, a willing press. Everybody was wanting, uh, you know, from the media perspective, to give him more than a chance. And then, you know, after the, the uh, whole instance with the transition, with January 6th, then with the inauguration, with just everything that had piled up on the election from 2020, the, the media was giving, I mean, there was no bad stories about Joe Biden. He could have stayed in the basement all he wanted to, and the media would have never said a word about it. In fact, they didn't say a word about it. Uh, when he first came in, there was this uh, lifting of spirits that everything was going to get better. But immediately they started implementing what Biden had promised is a far left policy of everything from bringing back mass mandates to enforcing them uh, regulations on businesses further to continuing a, a process of, of isolation uh, that was really more or less designed, frankly, to scare people. It seemed like more than anything else. And it began to, to erode a little bit of that trust, but it never broke. So let's continue to, to think about what, the, what did it do? What did they do in, with this, all this goodwill, all these great poll numbers he's now so lamenting about and blaming everybody else in the world for? He came to the first step, and Democrats were desperate. They had been trying to get it through, you know, the, many of the Democrats, especially after the election of 2020, when they knew uh, that they were going to get the Senate. They had been pushing to get this much bigger COVID package out there, the Stimulus American Rescue Plan. It was a, it was just a, basically a boondoggle of a lot of spending that they were going to get into uh, more and more uh, in give, giving out uh, just money into the system. And this was a system, let's be very careful here as we discuss this system, this was a system that was fragile in its beginnings. You were coming off the pandemic, states were starting to back, open back up, but the supply chain, the the economic side, and again, the base economics were not where they, uh, I think, Biden wanted them to be, especially, and then others wanted them to be as well. Uh, and especially economists who were looking at it saying, look, we've got uh, a demand that is not as high as it, it, we got demand that is high, we've got supply that is low. This may not be the time to start inputting more government money into a system, not only into businesses, but also into personal uh, bank accounts. They ignored it. In fact, uh, Summers and many of the others, uh, economists who said that we're uh, going to, you know, this is going to cause inflation to spike. This is going to cause the economy to have problems. They were basically ignored. In fact, I can remember uh, Jen Psaki and others in the administration from the press podium, uh, Biden himself and others, were pushing back on that saying, and Ron Klain, the chief of staff, were pushing back saying, look, this is, this is not going to happen. We're going to be okay. This money needs to get there. If we don't get this money there, the economy is going to collapse. You know, all the, the normal uh, horror stories that come from the uh, left when it comes to not getting their way on economic policy. So uh, they started that, and that began the problem. Okay, I'm putting this in perspective because, you know, as we talked about last week, you know, discussing here on the podcast, why is he blaming everybody else? Because I don't think they've learned the lessons. And the, the, the stimulus package one, then we move into Afghanistan and we can, you know, we've discussed it, Afghanistan here on the broadcast a number of the podcast a number of times. That uh, began the process. I believe that the honeymoon was beginning to be uh, 
uh, over the complete debacle that the American people witnessed in Afghanistan was not something that they were willing to put up with. And that began the downplay and the downturn of these uh, poll numbers. Again, have you seen anything else outside of the Biden administration's own discussion that are turning these poll numbers? But they still didn't listen. They went into the fall, still trying to get Bill back better. You know, this colossal bill that was going to, you know, spend money on everything. They they couldn't do it. Manchin finally and Cinema both said, we're not going to go along with this. So they couldn't do it on reconciliation. They couldn't. It just sort of died again for the left. That began to uh, dishearten them. They wasn't getting what they wanted. They did get through an infrastructure package. But at the end of the day, an infrastructure package typically will garner support from both parties as they go forward. But this was an infrastructure bill that was had such a left turn in it and a, such an emphasis on climate policy and, and, and equity and roads and everything else that it just turned away uh, to be something that, you know, frankly, that need, the Democrats could get behind, but they weren't excited about. The money for actual roads and bridges was less than about, you know, less than 20% of the entire package of this bill. And, and so in the end, what was supposed to be this, this grand uh, bill passing, in the end, didn't really do a whole lot. And as it progressed and nothing was happening, as we then began to see gasoline prices spike. Why? Because the uh, policies of the Biden administration, they shut off the Keystone Pipeline, they shut off oil well leases, they shut off about 20% of the capacity and production of, of, of exploration here for domestic oil energy uh, costs. And so they cut all that out. And then they started saying, well, that was actually going to happen, what they were warned about. Through the spending package last year, as inflation began to creep up, gas prices began to creep up. And then they think or thought, however you want to put it, that they were at least messaging wise saved when Putin invaded Ukraine. And when that happened, then they could say, look, all these gas prices, everything else, this is that we're going to blame this all on Putin. Bottom line is that nobody's buying it. And, and I will go back through this for just a minute because I wanted to emphasize that it is the policies behind this. It is the policies that people are now looking at. And as we go into an election year that I believe is going to favor heavily the uh, Republicans in the fall, in the, especially in the United States House, probably in the United States Senate, those policies are what is, is driving this force. But then I could have not even predicted this one. This one is just one that, that if you would have told me over and over again that I could have... Uh, that they could actually come up with something dumber in the Biden administration to drive people away from them and to drive people uh, off uh, of from their and see their poll numbers just continuing to flag. I, I was wrong, and it came from the most unlikely of sources. Now, the to give you a little background, the uh, school lunch program is not handled through the Department of Education. It's not handled in the normal education rounds. It's handled through the Department of Agriculture. The food, school food program, the WIC program, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, food uh, SNAP program, those kind of things are all handled through the Department of Agriculture. Food nutrition is one that Republicans and Democrats, you know, can't agree upon. There, there's something to be said that the uh, providing for schools nutritious lunches, especially in areas in which they have a food desert or there or there's a, a large population who are not able to eat proper food uh, all the time. The school lunch program, whether they get breakfast or lunch, provide those meals for those kids every day so that they can have the uh, nutrition they need to go ahead and um, you know, study and have their uh, do that, make a positive impact in their education. For the most part, Republicans, and I know at least from my perspective and others, conservatives, our biggest concern with the school lunch program was, it was helping people pay their share. The ones that needed the help, yeah, let's make sure that they get fed. The ones that could afford a little bit, we, you know, reduce lunch program, we could help them out a little bit. And if your family could afford, you know, the $2 or $3 a day for a school lunch program, you paid the bill. 
that's been some of the biggest changes. And of course, we had during the Obama administration, we had Michelle Obama basically taking school food and, and uh, you know, making it not fun again. They, they took out all the salt. They took out the the uh, some of the frills, if you would, that made the food uh, more appealing to kids. And in turn, that turned a lot of kids away from the school lunch program as it was because they didn't want to eat it and moms and dads were tired of hearing about it. And so they would send them a lot of times, send them less nutritious meals, but if they could afford it, that's what they would do. I tell you all this to say now in a, a brazen appeal to the left, the Biden administration has went in, into an area that I never thought they would go into. I, I, I thought just honestly, I am dumbfounded that now in May, the U.S. Department of Agriculture sent a letter out to and, and a policy statement out saying to school systems all across the country where they get their, where they send out school nutrition funds, that they are going to withhold these funds unless, and I'll read this, this is straight from the USDA order. It said, as a result, state and local agencies, program operators and sponsors that receive funds from the uh, food nutritional services must investigate allegations of discrimination based on gender identity or sexual orientation. And then catch the last part. Those organizations must also update their non-discrimination policies and signage to include prohibitions against discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation. Joe Biden's administration is now holding school lunch money hostage to the leftist agenda of the uh, LGBTQ community. And basically implying and, and forcing upon uh, these school systems that if they don't allow uh, the children to pick which bathroom they want to go into, to go into, if boys wanted to go into girls' bathrooms, you know, the transgender issue, this this whole issue that, that they're they're basically making gender neutral your schools. And and at a time in which these children are having, you know, an enormous amount of trouble just understanding and getting back in the educational system that came through a pandemic in which most of them are out of classes to start with, the Biden administration uh, from part pressure from the far left is choosing to use the school lunch money program to hold the school lunch, to hold these systems hostage to their left agenda on uh, sexual identity and gender identification. This is amazing to me that, that you have an administration that is either, either this is what I feel is happening. Either they are so far cons- down that they just don't think they can ever get back up and they're going to throw as much in it as they possibly can and they're going to let it happen. And, you know, they look, they say, we're going to lose anyway. We might as well just put our agenda in there and put our stamp on it and, and go for it. Or they are just so tone deaf to what is going on in the American uh, public right now that they, um, you know, Again, they're going to push forward with ideas and still blame it. I just want to use a few numbers for you. I mean, this is a, this is how important this is. Um, this hits low income the, the most. Now, understand something. In communities in which uh, you're being forced into gender-neutral bathrooms, gender-neutral uh, uh, locker rooms, and in which we've, we have seen pushback all across the country on this, uh, we saw it in Virginia in the governor's race. We saw it in other areas in which we are, are just uh, continuing to be amazed at the pushback because people want to be involved. Now, understand something. Yeah, it, it's not a matter of tr- you know mistreating, holding different. There's a standards are already uh, put there for non-discrimination of folks who choose to to identify in, in different ways. The problem is, is in that identification process is how it is being implemented, especially in schools and others in which the identification of 
especially males identifying as females, but not had making the transition, being able to use uh, girls' bathrooms or girls' locker rooms. This is something that we've, you know, become more and more familiar with. We're hearing about it all the time. You have what is the attack on women's sports, uh, which, you know, science and documentation have stated all along that, that this is a problem, that males competing in, in female sports, you can just see it mostly in the results, if you want to see anywhere else, that this is becoming a problem. So I, I say all of this to say, to listen to this, the ones that are not for a divisive issue such as this, liberals who are all the time talking about the poor, the underprivileged, those who, who don't have the abilities on their own to, to uh, feed themselves or have adequate housing or, or, or these kind of things, these are the ones who are actually going to be hurt the worst. So in, in their push to... Uh, bring everybody into their left woke agenda when it comes to gender identity and sexual preference. These are the kind of things that are being going, that are being discussed. They're going to use food money to do it. And they're going to basically put uh, food money at risk for, for the kids who actually need it the most. And, and I, it's just amazing to me. Now, let me give you a number in 2018 to 2020 averaged about 26 million kids had, uh, uh, were fed through the school lunch programs. 26 million kids through 2018 uh, through 2020 uh, and lunches served. And the percent of those receiving uh, the free or reduced lunch was about 68%. So think about what we're dealing with here. Not only are we spending 26 million, but for those also who are being subsidized in this program uh, so that they get free and reduced lunch, it uh, was about 68% of these uh, students. So uh, again, there's a large percentage of folks out there, and whether we realize this or not, and if you're fortunate enough to live in an area in which you have a grocery store or two grocery stores on every corner, uh, consider yourself lucky. But there's a lot of places in our society uh, today in cities and urban areas in which uh, crime and other issues or just uh, jobs and, and economics have caused the grocery stores to leave those areas and not be a part. They are actual food deserts, if you would, uh, in, in the middles of some of our largest urban cities. And to take away... Or, or threaten to take away funds that would provide that provide for the school systems to provide lunches or breakfast uh, to those students who come to their schools. It's just a, a, a thought to me that is abhorrent. It's, it's amazing that they're using the the pawn of kids in schools to press forward on a left agenda that is going to do nothing but tear up the communities in which they're involved. And then if the communities choose not to take or they, they get cut off from these funds, then they're going to have to assess uh, these funds onto their own budgets. Many of them are going to have to raise, if they choose to do so, raise property taxes, or they're going to have to find other ways to cut stuff in their school budgets to provide for the food. Again, it, it, when you look at this, it, it is interesting to me. And, and we're doing this, and, and again, just from a statistical point of view, you say, well, Doug, you know, the LGBTQ community and all ought to be, they should not be discriminated against. I, I'm not saying you discriminate against them. But also you have to put it in perspective that we're doing this, especially when it comes to uh, the gender identity trend. We're dealing with less than point, really 1% of the entire population. And most of the time, it, it, depending on the study, it's been less than that. It's grown recently in some of the younger studies. But for the most part, in the population as a whole, you're less than 1% of the population who this will affect. And these are the adult populations. It's harder to, to number uh, the kids in this. 6% total, 7% uh, total identify in some way in the LGBTQ community as a whole of our population. I, I, I do not deny 
their rights. I do not deny their their existence, and that's a choice that they get to live in a free country uh, such as ours. What is amazing to me is that Joe Biden and his administration is willing to put this all on the line for a food uh, school nutrition program. And they're, t- and they're going at the very issue that kids who need this food, who need these uh, abilities, and also there are summer programs that also fall under this as well, that let kids have a, a, at least one good meal a day uh, in their life. They're willing to uh, basically bludgeon local school systems and state school systems to, to come under the purview of this is what we want in this social agenda, or otherwise we're going to cut school funds uh, off to you. This is, again, an amazing point that I just don't uh, understand when it comes to uh, the, the Biden agenda. When the Biden agenda is out there and, they, and they're frustrated, they're, they're trying to turn their attention to everything else in the world um, and trying to take gas prices. They're trying to lower gas prices. They're, trying, they're, they're talking about it. Don't do anything about it because if they really, truly wanted to lower gas prices, then they would actually go after uh, our production and increasing our production. So when you when you hear the Biden administration out there basically saying we are at a a, a point into which we either don't you know we're going to complain about our our poll numbers but we're not going to do anything about it. In fact, I think the the bottom line here is I think the Biden administration has realized that they are in a bind when it comes to uh, these issues. They're in a bind because that nobody likes their policies, but they have to appease uh, the base that got them there, and they also feel like it's not going to matter anyway. So they, they have seemingly, in, in many ways, have given up. They've just thrown their hands in there and said, look, we're not worrying anymore about, you know, the elections in November. We're not worrying about, you know, we'll deal with the, the presidential race in two more years from now. But for right now, we're just going to push as many of these radical policies through as we can. And the most amazing one today that I'm bringing to you here on the Doug Collins podcast is that the U.S. Department of Agriculture is threatening the school lunch program in order to further their agenda. Folks. I can't make this stuff up. I really can't. But you're going to know here on the Doug Collins Podcast because I want you to be informed. So if you hear from your school board system or you let your school board system know, you know, ask them what are they going to be doing in this policy, I think you're going to see it far and more. I mean, we've already seen school board meetings become contentious. We've already This is going to get even more so because if these school systems choose to t- adapt their policies, change their policies, and, and notice what that – I want you to go back here for just a second – that I want you to miss, it said they must update uh, policies and signage. So this is not going to be something that you can hide in a policy manual at the central office. This is not going to be something that you can take and, and move away from uh, the the policies that are out there. This is something that you're really going to have to take a look at because when you take a look at it, you're going to find that you're going to see signs change. You're going to see uh, the girls and boys bathroom signs come down. You're going to see the girls and boys locker room and, and for PE and other activities to come down. These are the things that we're facing when you deal with an administration that is out there on this far uh, left agenda. And we're seeing it now and, it, and, it's, and it's coming back in uh, to a lot of areas. But I'm tying this together because I want you to know what Democrats and liberals are willing to do. This is what I've talked about many times in the past, that they're, they're, the Democrats are willing to push agendas, even if unpopular, and even at a price for their own elections. Remember, I've said this many times. I'll state it again. I want you to, to, to just sort of beat it into your head with this, that the left is much more ready to give up positions and power to gain a policy. 
Now, I'm sure that Biden right now is in the middle of getting, you know, finish his second year here. He is uh, looking, as he has said, to run for president again. I know Harris and many of the others are trying to figure out that they want to keep the presidency. But when you look at what they're doing, they're making no adjustments. This is simply saying, look, and when you go after the school lunch program, you've made a determination that says, look, we're not concerned anymore as much about the elected public as we are pleasing our base uh, when it comes uh, to these issues. And we'll deal with the elections later. Uh, this is why I bring these up. This is why we talk about uh, issues like this here on the Doug Collins podcast, because I want you to know the extent at which we're seeing this creep into the debate, whether it be uh, uh, the debate on uh, abortion or it be uh, on athletes and, and transgender athletes competing and male athletes competing in women's sports. These are all issues that have raised themselves out of a small percentage of the population to import their uh, beliefs and their uh, wishes upon the rest. And the Biden administration has been willing uh, to take this on and grow uh, and not only take it on, but double down on it. People are starting to see this. You're starting to see it. I will keep informing you of what's going on uh, as we continue here on the Doug Collins podcast. I just wanted you to be aware of it. Before we go today on the podcast, I want to touch on another issue that we talked about last week as well. We went in depth with guns. We went in depth with the, you know, the, the different statistics on guns. Since our last podcast time together on guns, the House of Representatives have went ahead and passed a, a package of legislation that in the end will go nowhere in the Senate. And again, it goes back to what I have said uh, many times, and that is what is, uh, I said even on this podcast, what will heal you doesn't make you better. Uh, they're going to raise the the bill in the House passed uh, that said they're raising, uh, and I love how they continue to frame this. And we talked about this on the podcast that they're framing it as the semi-automatic rifle. A semi-automatic rifle is simply one pull, one uh, shot guns. And so now they're taking basically all long guns, all, all hunting you know guns, the long rifles, and they're taking it from eighteen to twenty one. And saying we're going to match it to handguns, and so really what they're trying to do, and this is what I want to frame this in the proper language: they are not removing these from criminals. Hear me clearly: they're not saying that we're going to remove these guns from criminals. They're saying that legally uh, able Americans who are able to buy a firearm can now no longer, if their bill was signed into law, buy it until they're 21 years old. Now, the same 18-year-old can be asked to and be held in court as an adult. They can be tried in court as an adult. They can be sentenced in court as an adult. They are able to enter into contracts. They're able to enter into property, uh, you know, home buying. They're able to enter into other aspects of, of adult life. But because there is this concern that there has been some who have been under 21, just like the uh, Texas shooter who turned 18, bought two uh, AR-15 uh, rifles, that if we just do this, this would solve the problem. Now, remember, not all of these mass shootings were done with long rifles. Not all of these were done with those under 21. Some were uh, younger uh, individuals who have had issues. But again, when you're looking at the big picture, gun deaths, as we've talked about before, are not among the rifle shotgun category. Again, it's something to respond to. It's something to make people say, look, if he had not been 18, this would have been in place, this would happen. I'll grant you that. If this law had been in place, he could not have legally purchased the firearm. But my question to you is, is if he wanted to actually do something bad with a firearm, do you not think he could have found it? Joe Biden's words himself said back in the 1990s, and not any laws or any restrictions are going to keep those 
who illegally are criminals from getting firearms. This is Joe Biden's own words from back in the early 90s. Also in this package was, uh, again, looking at uh, magazines, bump stocks uh, as you uh, move forward uh, in just the, the, the normal wish list of uh, liberal ideas when it comes to guns and also getting into safe storage at home. Again, <laughs> guns are used for self-defense. The vast, vast majority of Americans who have a gun have a gun for self-defense. And now if you're going to mandate storage, you're going to mandate how they store them and where they store them and the access and easy access to them in the middle of the night. I, again, you're, you're sort of relegating this uh, gun as far as from a self-defense perspective to non-existence. If you're using a gun for self-defense and you have one at night and you want to be easily accessed to it, you're not going to go through a code or a combination or a key print. You need to be able to access uh, that firearm in, in a uh, quick manner if someone is breaking into your house in the middle of the night. Again, this is all about show. This is all about taking uh, the issue and moving it forward. Now, I do want to update you, though. The Senate is talking about a couple of issues that you do need to be aware of. One is red flag issues and mandating certain parameters to the states. This is something I want you to watch very carefully. I know 19 states, including uh, Florida and others, have already had these red flag laws up. There has been a, a lot of concern about who can report, how they can report, and what process, new process rights are being given away if you do not, uh, if you report somebody that is uh, either going to hurt themselves or hurt others with a firearm so that the police and the judge can write an order saying that you can take those firearms for a short amount of time. Uh, this is being negotiated by John Cornyn and others. This one would be one that I could see uh, moving a little bit. What you're not seeing is uh, the age restriction uh, on uh, age limit being raised from 18 to 21. You're not seeing that in the uh, Senate bill. Um, so there, there are certain aspects here that I think you're, you may see. Uh, as this goes forward, it will not be what the House has presented. And, you know, again, this is a, a discussion that happens every time. Uh, we go through this, but there are there seems to be some movement in the House and the Senate. The House, again, version will not pass. The Senate will not make it passed, and, and they're not going to change the uh, cloture rule in the Senate to make this happen. So just an update, quick update here on uh, discussions that we've had on uh, the Doug Collins podcast about where the gun regulations are and what the, the Congress's response to the tragic shootings in Texas are going to be. So to sum it up today. Again, for a Biden administration that is so worried about poll numbers, is so worried about, you know, supposedly their image and why they're not getting things done and how can they do things better, they went after today, uh, again, the school lunch program. Is there any bottom left to this administration that they would attack the monies for school systems that feed kids, many of which who can't afford school lunch, they're the only place that they get a healthy breakfast, a healthy lunch. And when they put that out there, they're deciding that to, to confront those and to not uh, to pander to the those on the left, that they're willing to say that unless your school system changes its signage, changes its policies related to gender identity and uh, the uh, proved view of the Biden administration when it comes to uh, the LGBTQ community, you're going to be cut off from your school lunch funds. Take that one and think about it. And we'll be back next time on the Doug Collins podcast. Hey, everybody. I just want to talk about sleep. 
You know why I want to talk about sleep? It's because I just got out from underneath my my pillow bed sheets and my pillow that, that I keep under my head every night because I like to sleep on my side. I like to sleep on my back. I like to sleep. You know, I move at night, and my pillow is just the best thing that goes under my head. It keeps me uh, getting restful sleep. The sheets are amazing. It's just what you need. Everybody understands you need seven hours of sleep. Why not sleep in some of the best products out there? And Mike and the folks at My Pillow are great folks to do this with. And you can go to mypillow.com or you can call them at 800 564 8475. You'd code word Collins, C O L L I N S. You won't want to miss this. If you have not got the, the these Giza uh, bed sheets, you need them. They're amazing. They're soft. They don't wear out. You need those to that get that sleep against your body at night and provide that cooling, uh, just soothing nature that lets you get the most sleep. But you know, they're not just about bed uh, sheets and pillows. They also have the My Slippers. Uh, amazing. I don't wear, I've talked to you about it before. I don't wear slippers, but I do wear my slippers. They're amazingly comfortable. You can wear them outside. You can wear them inside. Great products. You've got uh, towels. You've got all kinds of stuff. Go to MyPillow.com. It's spring cleaning time. It's spring time to get out there and try and buy new things. Replace some of your old stuff. You'll want to replace your towels. Get some other uh, products for your bedroom. All at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com or call 800-564-8475. Use the promo code Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S. When you check out, I guarantee you will be satisfied.